John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. We're experiencing technical difficulties at the time of this recording, but we pray that it will be a blessing to you today. Well, today I want to talk about another aspect of studying the Bible, and it's called observation. Last week we talked about seeing what God wants us to see. Today I want to talk about getting what God wants us to get from the Word of God. And that's simply called observation. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that and trying to trying to unpack that. For example, I want us to turn our Bibles to the book of a second or book of Philippians, if you will. Philippians chapter two. I want you to look there with me in Philippians chapter two in verses nineteen down through verse number thirty. And I want to talk to you briefly on, on just how to study the Bible. I'm, I'm going to give you four different steps that you can use. You can use this in any passage of Scripture, and you can really start unpacking and digging a little bit deeper into the Word of God and getting what God wants you to get whenever you get into the Word of God, okay? Do you realize that whenever you spend time with God, not only are you spending time with His Word, but you're also spending time with Him. He's the author of the book, and as we go and study God's Word, we can ask the author of the book any question we want to ask, and He can give us answers to all that while we're studying His Word. Do you realize that? Well, He wants us, as we're looking into Scripture, as we're digging a little bit deeper, there's a few things that we can do that will help us to get out of the Scripture what God wants us to glean from that passage of Scripture today. Okay? So we're looking at Philippians chapter 2. Is everyone there? You there? Say amen. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 19. I want us to look at this passage of Scripture. Now, wait a minute. Before we do, who's writing here? Who is the author of the book of Philippians? Paul. Paul, okay? There's some things you need to know as you get into studying God's Word. You need to do a little... This is going to be a kind of a, a class with some application on how to study the Bible. So it's going to be a little different than last Sunday. But you need to, you need to understand a few things on the backdrop. You, you want to know who is the author. Of course, the audience. But he, who did he use to pen this particular letter or this particular epistle? By the way, you know what an epistle is, right? It's the wife of an apostle, right? Uh, yeah, it's a letter. He was writing to the churches at Philippi. Now, at the churches at Philippi, did they have a church like this where all the Christians came together and gathered into one assembly? Did they? No, they didn't. They had house churches, similar to our small groups that we would have. That's what they had at the churches of Philippi. So this letter was written to the churches of Philippi, and it would be passed around from house to house church. And there they would read this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to them. Okay? That's a little bit of the backdrop. You can even do more of that and go really study a lot of how the customs were in that day and a little bit more in-depth study on the backdrop. But that gives us an overview of the letter. Okay? Now, we're going to pick up in chapter 2. By the way, let me say something else here. Chapter and verse. Where did that come from? Was that inspired by God? Chapter and verse? Trick question. The answer is no. Okay? Chapter and verse. 
numbers and the verse numbers and how it's all dissected and broken down for us. That's just simply for our benefit. This was one continuous letter that was written to these house churches for them to read. And they would read it as such. They would just begin reading the letter. And by the way, I love, uh, I'm getting maybe off my direction here, but I, I love how he starts out every letter. Go back to, to chapter 1 and verse number 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons. Now, here we have a backdrop of what I just explained to you. When in the biblical days, and I, I kind of wish it was this way today, but in the biblical days, whenever you received a letter from someone, they told you at the beginning of the letter who it was from and who it was addressed to, right? Now, a lot of times whenever we get letters today, especially if it's a lengthy letter, or even just on one page, if it's a paragraph or two, usually what we do is, is just real quickly scan the bottom and see who wrote the letter, right? Don't we? And, and then we'll go back up to the top and we'll read the letter. Why? Because it gives us an entirely different context of reading the letter if we understand who it is coming from. Right? So Paul at the very beginning tells you who's writing the letter. Tim and Timothy together. They're together. Paul's writing the letter. And who he's writing it to? He's writing it to the churches at Philippi. Okay? Now let's go back to chapter 2 and verse number 19. And I want to share with you how to get what God wants you to get out of the Word just using this passage of Scripture as an example on how we can do that. Okay? Look at verse number 19. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. Now who's to you? To send Timothy to the To the churches of Philippi. Okay? That's how you're looking at this thing. Okay? And I, being Paul, hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you, the churches of Philippi, soon, so that I also may be encouraged when I hear news about you. For I have no one else like-minded who would genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Not a whole lot different from our day today, huh? Amen. A lot of self-centered, self-absorbed people in Paul's day, and we certainly have that in our day. Would you agree? Amen. Verse 22. But you know his proven character. Talk about who, who's the his here? I kind of stopped. Maybe you may have lost it. But, but whose character has been proven? Timothy, okay? You see how we're just going down and just dissecting this thing? But you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come quickly. But I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, okay? Now here is another individual. We've had Timothy, now we have Epaphroditus. And he talks about Epaphroditus. He said, I, I will send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my needs, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Now, that's a little change. I'm going to come back and unpack that in just a moment. Verse 27. Indeed, he was, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have one grief on top of another. For this reason, I am very eager to send him, so that you may rejoice when you see him again, and I may be less anxious. Verse 29. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in honor. Everyone say honor. honor. Paul says, hold men like 
work of Christ risking His love to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. And may God add His blessings to the reading of His Word this morning. At first glance, when we look at this passage of Scripture, we may think, well, what in the world am I supposed to get out of this? Okay? What in the world, and what does this even mean for me? This is just Paul giving a little personal note to the church at Philippi, just saying, you know what, here's what I was going to do, here's what I eventually did. I sent it back to us, and it's a little bit about his life, a little bit about Timothy's life, and it's not really a whole lot in there about me. At first glance, if we are not careful, we will look at that passage of Scripture, and we will think there's really not a whole lot there for me. But I want you to see that there is a tremendous amount of material that's in that little reference of Scripture for every single one of us, and get this, especially for men. Okay? Now, guys, I'm going to have to jump in your wagon a little bit and unpack this and help you get what God wants you to get out of this passage of Scripture. Because if we're not real careful, we'll think it doesn't have anything to do with us. But I want you to know, it has a tremendous amount of material directed towards men. Now, for all the single ladies that are out there today, I want you to pay attention, okay? Because this is the type of man that you need to be looking for that I'm going to be talking about. Now, for all you wives that are out there that are already stuck with a guy. <laughs> this is the kind of man that with God's help and much prayer and much grace and much mercy, with your prodding, maybe, hello, you can develop him, help shape and mold him into this type of a man. Man, men, you need to be submissive to the leadership of the Lord in your life so that if you are not already this type of a man, you can become this type of man. Man, there's a ton in this passage of the scripture. But there's four ways that we're going to jump into this and look at this so that we can get out of God's word what he wants us to get. Now there's four words I want you to jot down. The first word, and we're going to unpack each of these. The first word I want you to jot down is observation. Now whenever we read a passage of the scripture, I'm just using this one. We can use numerous passages of the scripture through the entire Bible, but I'm going to use this one. Here we see, whenever we're reading it, we just need to make some observations, just some simple observations. I've already done that briefly with you here this morning at the very outset of my message. But we just need to make some observations. In other words, we need to ask, what does it say? What is the writer of this particular passage of Scripture saying? Okay? So whenever we look at it, and we look and we ask, ask the question, what does it say? There's a few things that we know, Right? First of all, we know that Paul intended to send two men to this church, right? To the church that fell by. Who were those two men? Talk to me. Timothy and Epaphroditus. Okay? Timothy, we see in verse number 19. He said, I wanted to send Timothy to you in verse number 19. But in verse number 25, we see where he sent who? Epaphroditus. He said, so I sent Epaphroditus to you. So that's an observation. We see there's two guys that Paul was going to send. Now, how did Paul tell the church to receive these two men? And I stopped even there as I was reading it. But Paul endorsed these two men as role models. And he says in verse number 20 that Timothy is like-minded. And he also says in verse number 29 that you are to welcome Epaphroditus. And then you are to honor him. Okay? So Paul is saying these two men are role models. I mean, these are two of my best men that I'm going to send to you. I'm going to send Timothy. Then he said, after a second all, I decided to send Epaphroditus. But both of these men are godly men. Both of these 
He tells of Timothy that Timothy's like-minded. Timothy thinks like me. Timothy and I are just almost one. And he's very like-minded. And Epaphroditus is a great man of God also. And I want you to receive him with honor. Okay? So we just make some simple observations. Well, what does it mean to be like these men? Well, what does it mean to, to whenever we see how, how Paul is endorsing these men, let's just glean through the verses. In verses 20 and 21, we see that Timothy takes a genuine interest in the things of Christ and the things of Paul. Then he just takes genuine interest. In verse 22, we see that Timothy has proven himself. I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of set himself in Paul's life, and he's been proven through different cir- circumstances. In verse number 25, now talking about Epaphroditus, he talks and he says, he is my brother, he is my fellow worker, he is my fellow soldier, and he talks a little bit about Epaphroditus. In verse number 26, he continues with Epaphroditus, and he says, he has longed for you, and he's been very distressed over you. In verse 27 through 30, it tells us that Epaphroditus almost died for the work of Christ, risking his own life. So these are just simple observations that we make as we glean through the passage of Scripture, okay? So whenever you're studying the Bible, what's the very first thing we do? Just make some observations. Just look into the passage and just see what it's saying. Now, I don't know, this is something else I would encourage you to do. You need to have a pen, a notepad, a, I have a computer, I do everything electronically now, and it's all there, but when I take notes, as I'm bleeding through the passage, and I'm reading it, and I'm just studying it, and I'm just, what's jumping off the page? Who's writing the letter? Who's he writing it to? Who are the subjects? What's going on? What's the intent here? What's he asking them to do? And, and then, if you can just start observing the scripture, you're going to see that it becomes very much alive in all of our lives, and then you can go back to the picture model, you can almost picture yourself there in that passage of scripture, and you'll be amazed at how God's word comes alive in your heart, and you'll start getting what God wants you to get from his word. So, the very first practice that we're going to do is what? Observation. Okay, we're going to observe the word of God. The second thing I want you to jot down is the word interpretation. Interpretation. In other words, we're going to ask now, not only what does it say, but what does it mean? Okay? What is the interpretation of this particular passage of Scripture? Now, I've shared with you over the past several weeks. I'm going to hit it one more time again today. How many different interpretations do we have? It's a trick question. Let me tell you that from the beginning. How many different interpretations do we have of Scripture? One. One. Okay? There is only one interpretation. But there is numerous applications. Okay? And I'm going to get to that a little bit later, more into how to do things and maybe what I'm not supposed to do personally with this. But let's look at the interpretation of this. What one thing does it mean? Well, here's what it means. You probably already tell me this. It means that Paul was writing the letter. He was writing the letter to who? The church in Philippi. He was going to send who? Timothy. Who did he send? Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was very distressed over them. He almost lost his life. I mean, when you boil it down, it only means one thing. Okay? That's what it means. Okay? But then we want to ask a little bit further. That's what it means within the context. But now we want to ask, well, what does it mean for me? Okay? We're bringing it a little bit closer to home. We're still not completely at application yet. We'll get there in just a moment. We're still at the area of interpretation. Alright? So we're now we're asking the question, what does this mean to me? As I shared with you earlier, this is a powerful passage of Scripture for men. 
Okay? Now, ladies, don't check out on this. I want you to stay engaged with me also because single ladies, you're looking for men like this. Married ladies, you're praying for men like this. He oh. becomes, or maybe he is, and hopefully he is. But I want you to look at verse 20. Verse 21. Here at the outset, we see some godly characteristics of some of these men. He's speaking of Timothy in verse number 20 in Philippians chapter 2. And he says, For I have no one else like-minded who would genuinely care about your interest. All seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. As I was reading that, I was intrigued by that. Because I really thought the 21st century was the most self-absorbed, self-centered era of all humanity. But I've come to realize that it is not. Hello? I mean, even Paul had problems. Let me read this verse of Scripture. Now, here's something else that I would encourage you to do. And we're just simply talking about how to study your Bible this morning, okay? That's what this whole thing, 40 Days in the Word, is all about. It's giving us some lessons, some principles on how we can study God's Word. And, and that's really what I want to dig into. So whenever you're doing this, I think it's wise to read from several different translations of Scripture. And that way you get a good concept of what the writer is trying to say. Okay? So we, our default Bible here is the Holman Christian Standard Bible, the HCSB. That's what we use here. It's kind of the default Bible. But there's other very good translations out there. And there's others that are kind of loosely translated. But I even like to read them. And I kind of like to read all of that so I can get an idea of what the Scripture is saying. For instance, in the New Living Translation, this very same verse of Scripture, Philippians chapter 2, 20 and 21, here's what the verse says in the, in the New Living Translation. Paul is saying, I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your wel welfare, for everyone else looks out for his own interest. The TEV Translation says, everyone else, or, or Timothy, genuinely cares for you to the end of it. Others only care about themselves. The Phillips transla translation says they are all wrapped up in their own affairs at the end of the verse. The message paraphrase, and by the way, this is not even, not even good to call that a translation. It's just a paraphrase of the Bible. But, but Eugene Peterson writes this. He says, I have no one quite like Timothy. He is loyal and genuinely concerned about you. Most people around here are looking out for who? Themselves. Guys, don't fall into that kind of category. Don't be one of these self-centered, selfish, self-absorbed people, okay? Paul's saying, I, I, I want to send Timothy because everybody else is self-absorbed. No one else is thinking about the things of Christ, you know, except Timothy. Everybody else is thinking about their own good, their own gain, their own wealth, their own prosperity. But I want to send Timothy to you. So, looking at this passage of Scripture real quickly, I'm going to hit these kind of quickly and go. And then we'll look at all the other two words. As we're talking about interpretation, what does it mean for, to me? I look at this, and, and there's, there's really some characteristics that we see of a godly man, okay? Now, once again, you ladies, don't check out on me, especially you single ladies that are looking for a man. You want to look for a man like the man I'm going to explain to you, okay? And if he's not this type of man, you run the other way. Everybody say, run the other way. Your dad, that single girls, you shout out, run the other way. Say, I don't care how they are. Run the other way, right? You need to start right now training that young of a godly man. Then we see from this passage. Remember we've observed the passage? Now we're in the interpretation phrase of it. And what's some characteristics that we see of this godly man? The first thing I want you to jot down is that he is caring. 
I mean, he's a man that is caring. Look at verse number 22. He says, but you know, talk about Timothy, he's, he has proven character because he served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Now, Paul is saying that Timothy cares. Then he cares about your spiritual well-being. He cares about the cause of Christ. He has proven character. Wow, that's big. No, proven character. And we need to be sure that, that as men, that we have good, godly character. And Timothy was a man that had proven character. You see, everything in our culture today teaches us to be self-centered, does it not? I mean, every TV show you watch, every every commercial that comes on, nearly every song that's ever sung, every video that's ever played, it's all talking about me, myself, and I being self-absorbed and very selfish and self-centered. But a godly man is not like that. He is a caring man. And everything in our culture today teaches us to be self-centered. There's those phrases out there, we do it all for you. Have it your way. You deserve the best. You deserve the right today. Look out for number one. I've got to think about what's best for me. All those are common phrases that, that we hear all the time, right? right. Hello? Yes. Have you heard any of those before? Yes. Talking to the church? Yes. Hello? Did you hear those out of God's Word? No. No, you won't find phrases like that in God's Word. But we are bombarded on every side. And we've got to go countercultural against the, the age that we live in today to not become a self self-centered type of an individual. There aren't any ads out there today on, on the TV, on the commercials that are out there that say, you know what? It's not about you. It's about everybody else. Go buy this new car. And it's not for you at all. Give it away to someone. You don't hear anything about that, do you? Right? It's all about you. But I believe in godly man and godly characteristics will have some of Timothy's characteristics. And he's going to care about individuals. You ladies, let me, let me kind of get off subject right here. Let me walk right here just for a minute. You ladies may be asking, especially you single ladies, you may be asking, well, how can I identify a self-absorbed, selfish, self-centered man? You know, I'm going to help you single ladies right here for a little bit, okay? So listen to me. And you dads that have little girls that aren't married yet or engaged or dating or what have you, you need to listen to this as well because you need to pass this on to them so I have a lot more authority coming from your lips than it is mine as a daddy. Say daddy, say amen. Okay. How can we identify? Listen, you want to identify if you're getting into a relationship with a self-centered man before you come to the altar and say, I do. Hello? You want to know, is this man worth investing the rest of my life with? Is he self-centered? Is he self-absorbed? If he is, you need to run the other way. So let me give you some identifying factors right here, ladies. You may want to jot some of these things down. Let me give you a few. This is a sidebar. It's a commercial. It doesn't cost anything, but I promise you're going to love it. Okay? All right? Then I'll get back on task here. But what are some, what are some eye-openers? What are some things that show us if there is a self-centered man around? Let me ask you this. And when I'm thinking about this guy, does he always talk about himself? If he's always talking about himself, guess what? He's self-centered, he's self-absorbed, he's all into, he ain't into you. You've heard that movie, that phrase, and all. He ain't into you. He's into what? He's into, talk to me, he's into himself, okay? If he's always talking about himself, he's very self-centered, he's very self-absorbed, that is your son. Alright? Whenever you go out and all he can talk about is himself and his career and what he's done and what he has, and he, listen, all he's trying to do is blow you away with him. He's not that into you. 
more into ultimate church. Does he often talk about himself? The second sign is this. Does he ever open the door for you? Hello? I don't know what kind of men we're raising today that will not open the door for a lady. Hello? Say amen on me. And ladies, you ought to stand there. Listen, you ought to stand there in front of that door until it's open. Hello? Ladies, don't even go to the, go to the car and stand there. If he goes and sits in and breaks the thing up and blows the horn, stand there. And if he gets his place and out of the car, if he's back over there, opens the door for you. Somebody say amen. Dust. I mean, just the engine fan running and dust would fall out from under the motor and from the dirt road. And, 
then my wife, my wife, my wife today now, my girlfriend at that time, she was like, you know what, my tire been picked up in this old truck. Oh, she's, and then she said something like this. She said, if you're too good to drive your car down this dirt road and pick me up, then maybe we should date. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really into you, but, you know. Does he ever ask for your opinion? Does he ever ask what you think about something? 
the way it's going to be. If that's the case, he's probably more into himself than he is to you. Let me give you another one here. Get this now. I hope I don't offend anyone for this, but it needs to be said. Does he ever ask you for sex? I'm talking outside of marriage. And if he does, you need to drop him like a hot potato. You need to get out of that relationship as fast as you can get out of it. And he'll probably say something like this. He'll probably say, well, if you really love me, you'll let me. That's a lot straight from the devil. Hello? There's a whole lot more I can say about this. But you know what you need to say, ladies? If you love me, you'll wait. You guys getting this? Hello? Self-absorbed guy. Let me give you another one. And by the way, let me say this also. If you tell him no, if you tell him if you love me, you'll wait, and he runs around and pouts, dumb. Hello? You don't want the pouting baby. He eats child. Are you getting this today? Self-absorbed. Timothy was not this kind of guy. He was a very caring guy. But let me give you another one here. Will he cancel his plans if you're sick to take care of you? Let me give you another one. Is he obsessed with his appearance? Will he do something that he doesn't like to do just to be able to spend more time with you? Hello? Can I give you another one? Does he pick up his mess? Or does he expect someone else to pick it up? Hello?
together. They had fellowship together. They, they worked hard for the same task and the same mission. They were working and serving together. Then the other term he used for him is he is a fellow soldier. In other words, he would fight with me. And he was in the good fight of the faith. And he was, he was pursuing for the cause of Christ. And, and there was a spiritual battle that's taking place. And there is an enemy, which is Satan. And, and Paul said, the Epaphroditus is a good soldier. And I can depend on him to fight this fight with me. So a man needs to be consistent. A godly man also needs to be cooperative. Cooperative. And then a godly man needs to be considerate. Number four, jot that word down. He's caring. He's consistent. He's cooperative. And he's considered. And I've kind of already touched on this briefly, but look what it says about Epaphroditus in verse 27 through 30. Indeed, he was so sick that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him. And he came close to death for what? For himself? No. For the work of Christ. Risking his life to make up what was lacking in your ministry to me. Epaphroditus was a very considerate Man. And then also, number five, a godly man is courageous. I mean, he almost risked his life. And I want you to know what he was courageous about. What he, he was courageous about, it wasn't for his own benefit. What was, he, what was he courageous about? I mean, here's a man that almost died for the gospel ministry. Now, here, here's a geographical question you need to understand. How far away is Paul from the churches at Philippi in this ride? We go and we look at the maps, and it's about an 800 mile distance. Okay? Now, Epaphroditus said, Paul, I will go minister to the church at Philippi. I will go. Okay? Now, here's what you got to understand there weren't any trains, there weren't any airlines, there weren't any nice automobiles. It was just by foot or camel or whatever animal he could get on and go this 800 miles. This was a courageous man that said, I'll take the offering to the church at Philippi. I will go minister to them on your behalf. I'll be the guy that will go. And he was willing to go and travel by foot or by beast 800 miles to deliver this offering. I wonder how many volunteers I would get today if I said, you know what, church? I would offer you, I've got this offering. Would you take this 800 miles to this other church that's waiting for it and they're in need of it today? And by the way, will you walk there? Probably wouldn't have very many volunteers for that, would we? But Epaphroditus was a courageous man. So those are some of the characteristics that we can get, okay? So all of that is under interpretation. So we have observation, we have interpretation. And then we're going to move to the third and final for third and fourth point. But before we do, I want to pause just for a moment right here. The last two, I'm just going to hit them and go. Whenever I think about a godly man, there's a man who's a member of our church. And whenever I started asking about him, whenever I started talking about him, this definition always came up. Pastor, he is a godly man. And the man I'm talking about is a dad. A day, if you will, please, come on up. As the day started, started attending our church, and now as a member of our church, and, and, and he was connected with our church, and, and came and visited, and then Tom and Sharon really connected with him, and he's a part of their small group. And, and, and I would talk with Tom, I would talk with Sharon, and I would say, how's the day doing? Is, is he enjoying our fellowship? And, how, and they would say, Pastor, he is such a godly man. What we've asked today, if he would come, 
and share his testimony with us today. So God bless you, brother. Give him a hand. Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, by nature, I happen to be a very quiet person. Uh, but it takes a different dimension when I find myself in the presence of God. Amen. I'm always very excited when I'm in the presence of God. Because the Bible says, uh, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. Um, today, I just want to share with you a testimony of how God saved me and my family. Uh, but before I get into that, I just want to share uh, something that happened to me before now. Uh, it's an event that has characterized my life in the last four years. But uh, I will try in the best way I could to compress it into two minutes. Um, I left my country some four years ago. And um, when I got into the United States, I do not know anyone. No family, no friend, no, absolutely no one. Uh, the moment I stepped out of uh, J.F. Kennedy Airport in New York, I walked straight into an open world. I saw people, you know, coming around to pick their friends, you know, their family members, but there was no one to pick me up. When I was leaving Africa, literally I was kind of fanning myself. That was how hard it was when I was leaving. But when I got into, when I got to New York, it was really, you know, it was in the middle of uh, winter. You know, imagine you being out there for several hours. I had no clue where to go to, who to call, because I do not know anybody. But I just turned to God. God, if you could make me skip through this, if you could make, if you could go through this with me, then I will always serve you. And that was exactly what God did. He saw me through those ordeals and brought me to where I always wanted to be. And I give uh, glory, honor, and adoration to God for doing that. Three things that I did while I went through all those ordeals was um, I ran into a brick wall. The first thing I always do is, you know, remind God of his promise. Remember I said, in this world we're going to go through afflictions, difficulty, problems, troubles, but we should be cheerful because they have conquered the world for us. So that's the, that's the first thing that always you know, comes to my mind, that I always remind him of his promises. And the second thing I do is, I lean, you know, onto his word, because uh, the Bible says, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. He has into the body and sunder of the spirit and of the soul. And it's the, the sound of the intent and the thoughts of the heart. So, um, and I remember the book of John says, in the beginning was the word, 
and the word was with God, and God himself was the word. So I lean on his word, and when you lean on his word, you literally lean on God himself. Yeah. And the third thing that I always do is, I wait upon him. Whenever I say my prayers, I just wait upon him. Again, I fall back to uh, the book of Asher that says, Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and never get weary. And they will walk and not get tired. And that's the most difficult aspect for us as Christians. We really do not want to do the waiting. You know, we always want uh, a drive-through miracle. You know, the way you go to your Chick-fil-A and you order your food and you just go to the next window and collect your food and drive off. That's what we expect as Christians. But we are forgetting the fact that God is God. When we have him for something, he knows when to deliver it to us. So we should learn how to wait and you know let God do what he wants to do. Praise God. Praise God. Now let's get to business. And the business was there is how God saved me and my family. I'm going to give you two assignments and uh, I want to pray that you don't just to, you know, please uh, carry out these assignments for me. At least I mean, in fact, it's going to be one assignment. Because the first assignment is for you and the second assignment is for me. The first assignment is I just want to employ you to, you know, listen attentively to you. As I read uh, the testimony, I haven't written out. So I just want you to listen to me because of my African assets. The second assignment is for me, and I will try the best way I could to read it as slowly as possible. <laughs> God is really great, and I return all the glory to Him for everything He has done in my life. I grew up a church boy under my parents. My mom was the only Christian at the time. She struggled between leading us to Christ and the emotional abuse she had to contend with from my dad for taking us to church. Dad never stopped her from going to church, but detested her taking us with her. Like an hungry lion, my dad would roar and yell at my mom each time he found out that she took us to church. To him, church is a meeting place for those who are frustrated, people without sense of direction, folks who have offended God and humanity and those who are confused on how well to utilize their spare time. My dad's list of negative presumptuous interpretation of church attendees is just inexhaustible. Armed with a determination to keep us away from church, that indoctrinated us all five of us. I have a brother and two sisters, a brother and three sisters. And with time, 
were tinted towards that direction and began to see more as the odd one out. Amazingly, this never deterred her. She got fired. She got fired up some more. I still remember how mom would pray all night for months in the living room all by herself. Being a contractor, dad traveled out of town on business, on business very frequently. So mom never hesitated to wake us up at night to pray for dad. Prayer point, as led by mom, always centered on dad's salvation. This way, I mean, this was always the routine until dad gets back. As kids, we were always happy to see dad come back from trips. His return meant one thing to us, the end of nightly prayers. <laughs> at least we can snore, I mean, at least we can now snore all night in our rooms. As usual, mom will resume the, grave, the graveyard sheet of prayer sessions all by herself. I left home at a very young age, when most of my age mates still slept behind their moms. It was a delicate age when male children are vulnerable to different societal viruses, from drugs to heinous crimes. The foundation of Christ that mom laid for us all assisted me in a tremendous way. To combat the vulnerability, though I found myself in the midst of the wrong company who introduced me to different forms of vices, but I never for a second compromised. Church became the second home for me as I found pleasure in the midst of the children of God. A new chapter of my life was flung open when I moved here to the United States. Those who have experienced this can tell that being in a foreign land all by yourself, away from family, away from family members and friends, is one of the toughest situations anyone could face. In this all, God has proven to me that indeed He is worthy to be praised, served, adored, and exalted. Since I've been here, He has been faithful to His promises. He saw me through my master's program and gave me a good job at the time I least expected it. God has shown me favor on all sides. I would like to specifically express my profound appreciation to the Victory Church family for welcoming me with open hands and making me feel at home. The church is indeed blessed with the friendliest set of people. Looking back at those days when I was under my parents, combined with what I know now about being righteous, I can evidently say that mom operated under God's anointing. 
I remember vividly that sometimes she would be audible in her prayers and inaudible at other times. Whenever she was audible, those long nights, she would ask God to keep her kids safe and show them the path to righteousness. She would passionately beseech God to turn her husband from his sinful ways and bring him to salvation. Today, my dad has not only followed my mom to church, he is now a devout Christian. And an elder in church, praying and teaching people the word of God. All my siblings are now Christians. To those who are still skeptical about the power inherent in prayer, everything that has happened to me is a further proof that God is still in the business of answering prayer. Again, I return all the glory to God, in whom and for whom we live, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father. I have who I am, the Lord who is mighty in battle, the ancient of days, the living of the valley, the reliant of the tribe of Judah, the only one of the house of Israel. I return all the glory to you. Thank you.
observed the scripture. We've done our interpretation of the scripture to see what it means. We've, we've done our correlation work. We've looked at other passages of the Bible to see if there's anything else that correlates with what we're doing there. By the way, I will also mention in that correlation process, I don't know how many may or may not study uh, the Bible on the computer or have a, a computer software program, but I study out of Logos, and there you can just put in a word uh, such as caring or serving or a co-worker or, or all these different different characteristics that we see of a godly man, consistent, courageous, and you can just type that word in there and see other things in the Bible that correlate with that particular topic or that word to in-depth, your, to get a little bit deeper in your study. So I encourage you to do that. But then at the end of the day, what am I going to do about this? Okay? As I look at this passage of Scripture, there's a couple of things that I need to ask. What am I going to do about this? Okay? What will I do? How am I going to live it? And that's our memory verse for this whole 40 days in the Word. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. Read that last part for me. Do what it says. When we finish our Bible study, now we need to launch out and do what it says. So with this passage of Scripture, you may ask, well, how am I supposed to do this? Here's two things I want you to do. And that's two takeaways, if you will, that we can do as a result of this particular passage of Scripture. The first thing I want you to do is find someone that lines up with those characteristics of a godly man and honor them this week. Do something kind for them. Honor them. It may be an encouraging text message. It, it may be, and I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about encourage them, honor them in some way. That's what Paul asked the church at Philippi to do, right? Correct? He said, honor these men. And that's something that we can do. So whenever we go out in the world and go out in our, our busy week and, and, and you recognize that someone is displaying this godly character, something we can do to take away from this and put into action is to, is to honor them. Okay? Now the second thing we can do, we need to ask ourselves, which of these qualities that we see unpacked in Timothy's life and Patronatus' life do I need to concentrate on myself? Which of these areas, as we talk about these five characteristics of a godly man that we see in this passage of Scripture, what area do I need to work on? Maybe there's one that the Holy Spirit just pricks our heart on. Or maybe we read that one and, and we immediately think of some situations in our life that we need to improve upon. Well, that's when we leave and we go and do what it says. So that's the application part of studying the Scripture. So we have observation, interpretation, correlation, application whenever we're studying God's Word together. When we put those four things together, then we'll start getting what God wants us to get out of the Word of God. I wonder if every head is bowed, every eye is closed, and we can come to the conclusion of our service today. I wonder what it is that God has laid on your heart today. If you're here and you're not a believer, then the very first step to take is that step of salvation and trusting in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you're here today and you've never done that, I would invite you to do that right where you're sitting. Just right there, just bow your head, close your eyes, and ask Christ to come into your heart. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and maybe you just want to just pray along with me and give your heart, give your life to Christ today. Just pray something like this. Say, God, I realize that, that you love me, that you're holy, Realize you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins, that he was buried, he rose again the third day. God, I believe that. And right now I just pray that you would forgive me of my sins. I realize I have not been walking in a way that's pleasing unto you. And 
Right now, God, I confess my sins to you. And I pray, dear God, you would forgive me. Come into my heart, into my life. Be my Lord, be my Savior. I give you my life today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Head are still bowed and eyes closed. And we continue just to meditate on the goodness of God. Maybe you're here today. You're already a believer. And you're struggling in your Bible study. Let's just pray that God can take these four little steps that I shared with you today and give a, a spirit of reveal or revival in your Bible study. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you Lord, for your word and thank you for these Bible study methods and steps so that we can glean more from your word and we can see what you want us to see. We can get what you want us to get from your word. Father, I pray for that individual right now that's just been Maybe struggling in their Bible study. Maybe they're not getting what they need to be getting from their word. I pray that they would learn to take these four simple steps of observation and interpretation, correlation and application, and glean and receive from your word what you want them to have. God, give us an excitement for your word. Give us a spirit of enthusiasm for your word. Father, I pray your will be done in all of our hearts and our lives. Draw us closer to you. And our prayer once again is that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and make us more like the Son of God. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.